monkey loving. Is like, <laughs> is it like illegal to like videotape two animals having sex and sell it as pornography? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, people yeah. upload it on the internet. Or I, I guess it depends on the classification because there's no real yeah. classification of pornography, right? True. Isn't yeah. it the I know it when I see it? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we're talking about nasty movies on this <laughs> week's After Hours feed. I'm not sure if you heard the title. I think that might have cut off JT. What was that title of the film you were watching? Uh, monkey Love, Monkey Gives Blowjob to Fellow Simeon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this week's film is Visitor Q. Uh, by Takashi Miike. And actually, you know what? Now that I've said his name, I, I'm really fucking confused about this because I was told that with, I think, all like East Asian names, the family name comes first. Like mm-hmm. with Korean filmmakers, for example, you say Hong Sang Soo, you don't say Sang Soo Hong. You yeah. Know? Uh, Japanese, I was told, is the same way. And yet, on Letterboxd and so many other places, it's still the American convention where you would see, you know, Yasujiro Ozu. You wouldn't yeah. see it in the reverse. Uh, so, like, like my Japanese cinema professor would always refer to this guy as Mike Takashi. Yeah. What, what's the verdict on that? Why doesn't Letterboxd just change it for, you Cause, know... Because they're racist. I was going to say, though, but there's, you know, there's money to be made off of not being racist, right? Well, but the thing is, like, I don't even think Criterion does it that That's way. That's true. Like, no one does it. Criterion says... Uh, Akira Kurosawa. They don't say Kurosawa, Akira, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm saying the most obvious names because that's the names that are being said by Criterion. I think uh, it, <laughs> it must be like a branding thing. They're just like, well, if we keep, you know, if we introduce this, they're going to get mixed up. No the- one's going to do it. They're like, you don't want to be the first person to do it the right way. Yeah. Exactly. Because I know uh, the, the private torrent tracker, Secret Cinema, I, I know had some mix up with, with that too. And there's still a lot of, like, I, I know for Hong, yeah, you have to look up Sang Su Hong to find him on there. And it's like, what the heck, man? Get your <laughs> shit straight. It just makes me feel confused and racist. Exactly. So yeah. we're talking about Mike Takashi's uh, 2001 film, Visitor Q. But first, you know, si- since we were talking about these nasty films, uh, uh, do you think we should start with the list? Let's start with the list, man. You, you introduced the concept and I'm ready to bite. Because we're, we're getting nasty with it. You know, this is a film that depicts disgusting acts. And, like, Malcolm has picked some pretty disgusting films in the past for this Patreon feed. We, talk, we talked about uh, Battle in Heaven, which is actually beautiful lovemaking in that film. But other yeah. people have called it disgusting. <laughs> uh, but, of course, returning to the well of the hundred most fucked up films, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we decided to give some nasty recommendations uh, to our friends on the After Hours feed. I mean, first on my Get Nasty With It list, I have an honorable mention for a film that I brought up before uh, that it's mostly about just a nasty man. Um, it's sick. Uh, the Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Super Masochist. Um, you do see him nailing his penis into a board. So that's pretty that's fucked up. But on the opposite end of that spectrum, the opposite end of that being a pussy and a baby coming out of it, uh, there's Window Water Baby Moving by Stan Brackage. Um, I was telling the boys off mic that one of the epic bro moves that a great professor of mine did once was just say, like, like there's going to be some blood in this movie. If you're, like, squeamish, you might not want to see it. But just, just dropping it in it, like, full water birth. 
That's pretty funny. <laughs> for for those who don't know what uh, Stan Brackage's Window Water Baby moving uh, is, uh, could you, uh, I'm, I'm talking like a What's character what, what, in a Brackage what, 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 film would if he had characters talking. <laughs> I'm imitating his images with my mouth. Uh, what, what is that film? Um, it's him filming his wife uh, giving birth, like a, a, a natural water birth. It is like nasty with it in the sense that like I don't know I I don't want to see babies being born like that's disgusting. Did you hear sometimes they'll shit uh, gross. when that happens? Uh, we'll get to that in Visitor Q. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Not in that scenario, but I I mean that's like every twelve year old in health class like. Oh, dude, I can't wait till they talk about the sex stuff, but I do not want to see the birth video. (laughs) But like, I don't know. There is something like on the flip side of that, like very intimate, like deciding to like, I don't know, put your wife on screen like that and have that be a part of your filmography that I think is something that like is more than just the repulsion at like watching a human life Mm -hmm. come to be. Then for a different kind of nasty uh, is the act of killing by Joshua Oppenheimer. It's been a hot minute since I've seen this 2012 uh, documentary, but uh, it is about uh, Oppenheimer sort of investigating um, this Indonesian genocide perpetrated um, by like the party that I I'm I want to say is still in power. I'm not too familiar with the events. But, like, it's interrogating, they were in power in 2012, Anwar Congo, uh, someone who is a key part of these death squads that, like, he talks about, like, in the murders that he has committed being sort of inspired by, like, American gangster films and how he would, like, ruthlessly murder people. And, like, there's some dispute over, like, whether, like, what, it's, like, Anwar Congo and some other members of these death squads are interrogating, like, what they did by, like recreating it Oppenheimer gives them the resources to just sort of do like a dramatic version of that and through that Congo sort of like experiences like repulsion at what he's done like he describes very like gruesome murders of like strangling someone with wire and like in one scene where he's acting as like the victim and having it happen he like starts to throw up and like some would say that it's like insincere and like you can doubt how actually mournful he's feeling but like i don't know it's that sort of dark reckoning with like genocide um that is its own kind of nasty and i want to like swing back around to this at some point because i watched it uh at a very young age and it disturbed me then um but a uh, pretty good movie number 3 I want to say Pink Flamingos by John Waters. Now, if you're talking nasty, you got to talk the little mustachioed man from Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) That dirty little pervert. I love him very much. Um, I am a big fan of a lot of movies of his, but Pink Flamingos, I would say, for this nasty list... Um, it's the closest I think I've ever come to throwing up at a movie that's not like a shock video. Um, when Divine eats the dog shit at the very end, like I have a in- incredibly weak stomach 
and just like seeing like that the dog like poop out a little turd and like in the waters memoir that i read he talks about just like how exhausting it was like walking around all day trying to get this dog to get like the perfect cinematic shit like getting him <laughs> to dump like something um and then divine just i mean thinking about <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Honestly, thinking about it right now, I can't. I, I can't like linger on that image for too long, because that is such a repulsive thing that uh, I just—it's gross. You need the bucket? No, I'm fine. That's we can move on. For listeners, JT audit, like visibly gagged. Yeah, that was he brought he he replaced the microphone with his hand, which is very gentlemanly. I'm glad that you were going to throw up in your hand rather than on the microphone. I mean, I wasn't actually like I could. The more I would like fixate on the image and just like the thoughts and feelings of eating dog shit, that's truly what the repulse yeah. part of that is. <laughs> but moving on. But I mean, is there something productive about that transgression? Like other than the shock value? Because I think there kind of is just inherently in like the level of transgression. Like if transgression is the mode and you excel at it to the point where divine is eating dog shit uh i i think there is some sort of there there's real tangible artistic value there right yeah and i think like on a more base level it's like feeling something yeah. that i haven't felt from a movie mm -hmm. like it's there i don't know i like i said the only time i've ever come close to throwing up at a movie <laughs> it's a unique experience and one that like is so opposed to like other films and like bourgeois filmmaking that i think it like makes it meaningful and worthwhile along with all of uh, the other like john waters trash that i've seen i mean there's like a playfulness to it but like i think uh, it's really sharp in terms of like taking on like middle class values. No, true. Like through transgression, I feel like films that are very committed to that mode being transgressive, they're just more experimental and inventive by nature because they're trying to produce images that you might not have seen before. They're trying yeah. to create, you know, a new type of visceralness. And I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, like you said, JT, just on a very base level, if it makes me feel something, that can't be ignored. I felt it. And as like tinny and just straight up bad as the sound design is in the earliest Waters movies, specifically multiple maniacs. Oh yeah. Uh there's definitely something there. Like if you especially listen to like noise a lot or at least noise based uh, rock or uh, electronic music, uh, there's a lot of very strange sounds uh, within the confines of a John Waters movie that you don't quite hear. And it's just like clipping of shitty audio equipment, really. <laughs> and in that like being like gross and like fucked up it like that style of guerrilla filmmaking is really admirable in a sense that i feel like it relates to like someone like matt farley just mm -hmm. like waters builds this like amazing little baltimore weirdos of like real freaks and just like nutcases that he actually knew that populate like uh his fictional baltimore's that was number three that was number three yeah number two is uh tetsuo uh, the iron man um, which is a tight 67 minutes Ooh. and I don't really like I have trouble really describing what happens but like sort of a man's body is like overwhelmed with like becoming like metal and it's like really like visceral in that sense where it's a lot of uh, body horror and uh, yeah I wish I could speak more about it but 
just because it was such an unusual experience and then like the quality of like the movie itself is kind of I mean it might have just been the particular version I was able to acquire but I don't think there's like a there is no version of this movie that looks good or beautiful mm-hmm. coming in at number one is a movie that's probably not like as purely repulsive as the other nasty movies but I feel like it has the nasty feeling that uh, I really seek out when I'm, I'm getting dirty with it is uh, Reflections of Evil by Damon Packard. Uh, we've talked about Packard a few times. I think, Malcolm, you brought up Reflections yeah. of Evil after you had watched it. And I think the nastiness there uh, is just like with how Packard, like one depicts himself as sort of like a trash eating type of monster and just like the behavior of everyone in L.A., Broadly speaking, Packard's filmography where like just people are rude, shouting, just like doing strange nonsense. It's it's some fucked up shit. Dude, we're doing Reflections of Evil in like uh, in three weeks. The first week of November, uh, we're going to have Nathan Smith on the podcast and uh, returning champion Nathan is bringing Welcome to L.A., the Alan Rudolph film, and uh, Reflections of Evil. So oh, I can't wait yeah. to get down with that nastiness. That's going to be awesome. Me too. And it's uh, I think Alan Rudolph is a great contrast to nastiness. It makes very sweet movies. Nice. Um, Malcolm. Yeah. Well, what's your fifth nastiest movie of all time? Okay, so I didn't, I didn't really rank this. This is kind of like a grab bag. Yeah, and uh, just maybe kind of highlights uh, different types of nasty movies. Mm-hmm. One I want to give a, a, this part of the list, but I'm also giving it a shout out. It's five, also a shout out. Um, the hu- <laughs> the Human Centipede Two. Now, okay. I feel like this is an interesting movie because, of course, you know, I feel like you know even people who you know are high minded and study transgression, uh, you know, movies. Um, you know, they largely dismiss the Human Centipede movies, and I don't think they're great. There's not much there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like 2 goes really base, and because of that, you know, makes a really nasty product. Now, the the idea of a Human Centipede, kind of nasty in itself, kind of a layup there, right? Well, with Human Centipede 2, it's literally just kind of like this... Um, very unfortunate looking man, you know, orchestrating this uh, human centipede just in a warehouse. So it's just him in a warehouse with some like disgusting digital black and white. And I have seen all of the human centipede movies and they're not exactly worthwhile, especially the third one, which is just like a lame comedy. But two is just so, uh, so bare bones and just kind of a ugly looking movie, you know, probably on purpose, but also not on purpose. And, uh, you know, it, it was like, yeah, this is a very nasty, you know, unpleasurable experience. So I'll give it that. It's, it is unpleasant. It is a genuinely unpleasant movie. One thing I'll say about that franchise is it's one of the, I would say that is uh, the first one is the first film that I discovered through film criticism. And by that, I mean, I discovered through Daniel Tosh on Tosh.0. <laughs> uh, there, there was like, I guess he talked about it on Tosh.0, but then there was like a web segment that was longer. It was just him doing like a one man, like movie podcast, just straight to camera saying everything that happened to that movie. And as like a 12 year old, I was like, that sounds messed up. I'm going to watch it now. Yeah. And then I just had his fucking monologue in my head the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. I remember watching it with the boys in middle school because that's like, I don't know, you hear that around yeah. a, at like lunch and whatnot. And you're like, oh, I have to see this fucked up shit. But what you're saying about too, like really like, I don't know, I imagine feels like 
because I wasn't that like you see it and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the the filmmaking and overall style of it is just way too neat where it's not like, yeah, it's not nasty with it Two, two, It does. I feel like one not to get too human centipede here, but one, I feel like it's just like a three person centipede. And like the third one is like a prison, like a private prison just turns into a big human centipede, which is, you know, a disgusting concept. I'll give them credit. Yeah. Whereas this one, it is like it, you do, I think maybe you get eight to 12 people and it's like, okay, this is just the small enough amount of people. I'm like, you kind of get uh, enough details of what's happening to them where it's just like, ah, oh, Christ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, shout out Tom six, you know, I'm just, I'm glad you got to do it. I'm glad you got to do it. Um, another one, I kind of, I think I, I stole this kind of from, uh, Will Sloan and the important cinema podcast, but it's a, it's a, a, a curious documentary. I've always been a fan of, uh, the killing of America directed by Paul Schrader's brother, Leonard Schrader and another guy named Sheldon Rennan. And the, the funny part about this movie is that it's a Japanese anti-American piece, um, literally anti-American propaganda. And it's, it's, uh, it's focus is kind of just, uh, um, you know, showing gun violence and how it's gotten out of control. And, uh, imagine if they were around now to see it, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly talking about a lot of the same problems America has now, but Here's the thing, right? It's trying to be an ethical documentary, but this highlights another trend that was going on around the time, maybe late 70s, early 80s. There's just random documentaries of footage of people dying, basically, kind of like uh, kind of like how we have on the internet now. You can look up someone dying, watch it. Not a fan of doing that personally, um, but this is a this is a tradition that's been going on for a while. You know, th- uh, there's a documentary series called the faces of death which is just literally kind of like this but straight up where it's just literally people dying a lot of it faked um i think killing of america goes out of its way to use real footage and you know touches on the classics to like the jfk assassination tour i think reagan got shot and that was on camera and then there's also just some funny parts where they don't have the footage where like there's one they're describing a a 16 year old girl, girl who just randomly started shooting school children out of her window and her the reason uh, she gave is like because it was Monday and I hate Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> so it just it kind of has fun with this this very over dramatic narration and it's just kind of a, a strange movie that's a different amalgamation of things. Yeah. In terms of people uh, killing themselves on screen, one I was just talking about this the other day. Bud Dwyer, a real yeah. classic, a hometown hero from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> really? That's I a- mean not <laughs> not. <laughs> That is sick. Uh, um, but I, my dad knew someone who he like worked with because mm-hmm. it was like Bud Dwyer like popped his dome because he was like facing some sort of corruption charges. Yeah. That he was like, I didn't actually do it. And it's like the setting of it is like great because it was on a snow day where like <laughs> during the middle of the day where probably a lot of kids were home from school just flipping through public like access television. Yeah. And just you get to see quite a video then. (laughs) But my dad like worked or I think still works with a guy who was a part of Bud Dwyer's team who was there who got like Bud Dwyer's like brains all over his suit (laughs) and like like ultimately went to jail for like corruption stuff. Jeez. That is for some reason I don't have as much of a problem watching that video because like it's kind of got like historical well you gotta remember the classics yeah exactly (laughs) bring back the classics speaking of the classics i'm gonna bring up a classic um cannibal holocaust and um what do you call it i i bring this one up because i remember watching it at a young age you know the classic thing i've said 
50 times big disturbing movie list and um i'm like solo this one i thought was like hey you guys kind of went a little too far this is this is kind of <laughs> fucked up and and i mean to be fair they did go too far they killed live animals on screen in mm-hmm. that movie so i guess that the the most disturbing scenes are when you like you just see him skin an alligator and you're like ah this is real not yeah <laughs> not pleasant and i i can't really uh, speak to the qualities of this movie i think i'd probably like it on a rewatch or maybe find <laughs> some more uh, appreciation for it not the animal stuff but hey it was it was already filmed what are you going to do can't save him now <laughs> <laughs> um but no malcolm if you stop buying dvds where they skin alligators alive <laughs> then the alligator skinning factory will have no choice but to shut down yeah rogero diotado is gonna be real upset of me torrenting this classic you know what i was gonna say though because this one brings me back to faces of death which you mentioned earlier mm. which i wanted to say it's kind of I guess it kind of speaks for itself how much of a phenomenon that became and how kind of disturbing that is. That's yeah. like beyond the reaches of so many actually great cult films is Faces of Death, where it's just people dying. And like you even see it in The Sopranos, where Joey Pants's character uh, is watching it with Janice on the couch lazily. <laughs> like that's just the kind of thing he likes. He likes Gladiator and Faces of Death. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the phenomenon day where you have, I have friends who just like, maybe they don't do this anymore, but they're like, on like r slash watch people die and they just like watch videos of people die i don't get that like that's not to, horrifying not to, not to be mr moralism <laughs> yeah but it's just like it's like get a tripod at least yeah exactly <laughs> tired of all their shaky footage um, <laughs> what else is on your list okay um i want to shout this out it's also on my list sweet movie by uh dusan makov vijev and this is also a uh, yeah great pronunciation right? um <laughs> I'll this, speed it up because yeah. you got it right. You just said it slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, it's this one's a, a, a maybe you know one of the more playful films on this list because it is a uh, you know in part comedic, um, but a great concept where the Miss World Virginity, um, you know, our main character wins the world's best virgin and uh, w- you know gets a husband who's a masochist. He likes you know slashing himself up. You know, wants to to put a knife to his dick and. Uh, you know what? I don't really remember much of this movie. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the nasty details is all we need. Exactly. We need the nastiness report. True. Yeah. I th- I do. I think I respond to like a, a blade to the skin. That's one that kind of gives me the shivers more than anything. You know, you get a blade to the penis. That's a... Oi. Oi. No good. And then, um, you know what? Had to Had to bring out the classics. Had to, you know, pull out my Criterion collection copy. Of Solo, you know, 120 Days of Sodom, because this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it is a, it's a movie that I feel uh, has everything in it, and, and um, I think one of the best parts on rewatch is kind of realizing how much Pasolini is taking kind of a perverse pleasure in what's going on, and which makes it a, even better, but also, I don't know, it's not a... The way you hear that description and you think it's going to be not more, you think it's going to be more violent or something, but it's a very well-measured film, which it's well, you know, it's well-measuredness makes it even more disturbing. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like you guys haven't seen Solo, right? Um, no. So, yeah, I'm not going to go too into it, but I think this this is this is the apex of, uh, I think Pasolini figured it out where he's like, I'm going to make a nasty-ass movie, but prestige. And I think he he nailed it. Hit it out of the park. 
I still haven't seen much Pasolini. Uh, mm-hmm. We did Tiarima for the podcast, and I think that's still the only one I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and I feel weird diving right into Salo, but I have the file just waiting on the hard drive. Yeah. I feel like we ought to do it on the podcast. Yeah, sure. We should pod just, that one out. Yeah, that's what. Sure. Yeah, I wanted to save a little bit on that. But yeah. also, I started with Salo, so. Hey. Start with Salo, finish with Salo. <laughs> <laughs> the be-all, end-all. Yeah, exactly. Now, Eddie, we had a couple lists. I know you... Oh, Ought to have a list. You right? love lists. I'm, I'm a fiend for the shit. Uh, I can't, you know, I guess I'll do my shout out, uh, my my honorable mention for Radley Metzger's score. Uh, you know, guy on guy, uh, guy on girl, girl on girl with a guy waiting, you know, uh, whatever you want. It's in here. <laughs> <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, though, it, it is like one of the most beautiful depictions of like counterculture kind of performative sexuality you know yeah. uh because it's kind of toward the tail end of that counterculture it's right in the beginning of the 70s and the the free love has already died but you have this kind of freewheeling european fuck fest uh directed by radley metzger who made his bones cutting trailers for like janice films and like was you know uh the person, you know, in some cases, maybe responsible for audiences going out and seeking out like Bergman films because they saw a trailer before something else. That's a stretch, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but he made some cool pornos. So shout out Radley Metzger. I'll do the list now. I'll go uh, Last American Virgin. Uh, this is a very strange 80s sex comedy. It was a remake of uh, the the same director's film that he made in Israel uh, decades before <laughs> called Lemon Popsicle. I love that delivery uh, of uh, Israel. Sending subconscious messages to our <laughs> listeners. Um, I, 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 sorry to speak again, but... Um, no, you guys this, can try this, if you've seen anything. Yeah, yeah, well, I haven't seen that, but you bringing up, you know... Uh, school comedies uh, reminded me of a movie I probably should put on my list called Private Lessons, where it's I was kind of getting into uh, <laughs> like the student fucks teacher uh, erotic movie realm via Tubi.tv. Yeah, and um, I, I, the first one I watched was fine because it was you know a nice buff seventeen year old looks like he could put a good pound in on a girl. He's ready. Jesus. He's ready. <laughs> but uh, Christ, yes. <laughs> But um, <laughs> Private Lessons is very disturbing because it goes a little bit younger and it just plays out. You see just sex scenes play out, you know, a 15-year-old boy just having, you know, sex with a woman. And you're like, this is fucking disgusting. This is yeah. really bad. And I, it's unlike Ken Park, the Larry Clark movie, where it's like there's obviously you're supposed to be shocked by it. Whereas this is like it's providing some hot entertainment. And that's yeah. what the most disturbing part of it is. It's just like, oh, my God. The last American version feels like, uh, and, and again, reiterate any new listeners, I am a man of the Jewish persuasion. Uh, it feels like your friends who come home from Jewish summer camp and tell you like the gross like hookup stories when you're 13 and it's like <laughs> fucking disgusting. Uh, th- that's what this movie is. It's like a high school sex comedy, you know, uh, which I mean, come on. The the title says everything. The Last American Virgin. Uh, but Boaz Davidson, he's such a weirdo, man. Like the, f- the fact that he made this film in Israel in hold on such a stupid name for a film <laughs> lemon popsicle but it's it, you know in 1978 he makes this film and it's like a whole nother four years later and like 
it's not that culture has changed all that much in that four years, but it feels like it's an 80 year old man just like letting these like teenagers frolic about in high school in a way that doesn't even really like happen in, you know, more straight ahead sexploitation movies I've seen. <laughs> Uh, there's also just some like really disturbing, uh, you know, lack of kind of consent kind of stuff. Uh, I still gave it three and a half stars for some reason. It's, like, <laughs> it's a really like it's a really weirdly enjoyable movie that like has repetitive needle drops. Also, like, uh, you know, uh, James Ingram interrupting three very important, quote unquote, dramatic scenes with I did my best. But I guess my best wasn't good enough. A great needle drop. I'll drop it in there. But just in the middle of these intensely strange scenes, like when the whole gym class lines up to measure each other's dicks. Like, (laughs) you ever just, like, get the whole ninth grade gym class together and just, like, all right, get in line. We're measuring today. (laughs) Very, very strange scenario. I also wanted to talk about hated Gigi Allen and the murder junkies. Uh, this is a documentary that Todd Phillips of Joker fame made following around uh, Gigi Allen and his murder junkies, including his brother Merle. <laughs> One of the great names of all time, Merle Allen. <laughs> you know, they, they pay respect to their country OGs. You know? <laughs> and by the way, if you've never heard like some of the like earlier and more like catchy Gigi Allen stuff, I, I highly recommend it. You know, yeah. songs like Sluts in the City are like fucking heroes, you know? But anyway, this is Gigi Allen at his death drive climax. You know, he wants to die while performing throughout this whole film. And he's just shitting on stage, smearing shit all over his face, running into the pit with shit on his face and getting into fights with people in the crowd. (laughs) It's amazing. And uh, he's just absolutely fucked up on heroin, speed, alcohol, all that shit. Uh, and uh, you don't get any footage of that fateful night, that final performance, because Todd Phillips was too much of a bitch to continue on tour with them, (laughs) and uh, he had to go back to NYU, Uh, and so instead, you just get a title card at the end about that final night of Gigi Allen's life, where we lost him at um, the, uh, the gas station. Rest in peace. Uh, so it's it's a very funny movie. Not as funny as something like uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. It's more just disgusting. But if you think the disgusting stuff is funny, it's funny. How can we talk about nasties without talking about Jess Franco? Uh, Eugenie or uh, Desaad 70 or Marquis Desaad's philosophy in the boudoir. Uh, do you want to see Christopher Lee in a movie where a frightened girl in the grip of cardinal perversion tries to, you know, find solace in the orgies of the depraved? <laughs> Fucking with some blinds and like a really red room for an extended period of time. Just the set design, uh, the staging, the cinemascope frame in the grainy as hell DVD rip that I had. It was just the perfect sleazy uh, early morning pick for me, which other people it means late night, but I like to get up and watch a nasty movie in the morning. He like he, Eddie likes to get it in the morning, if you know what I mean. <laughs> do you see Christopher Lee's hog? Uh, I don't think you do. Actually, that's disappointing. Yeah, it, it, 
Look, I, I'm straight as hell, but I'm <laughs> I'm all about the hog watch. You gonna, just gotta you gotta point it out. You want to know? It's a Rolodex. I was gonna say, like you know, we've talked about our other uh, naked celeb website, Get Rich Quick. Seems is there a dick size database? I'm sure. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> I mean, too Mr. good to Skin not to exist. Pro- has like I'm sure the mail in that. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Lee, Mr. Skin. <laughs> Christopher Lee claims he had no idea that this was a softcore porn until he actually saw the movie. So, no, he does not hang dong in the movie. Uh, Various of his scenes were shot and then edited in with the sex scenes later during the opening sequence. Uh, That's pretty great. I I I didn't even know that because, like, the, the editing is pretty seamless. I mean, like, he is very much the reason that Eugenie is uh, d- indulging in the orgies of the depraved. You when, know? when I searched Christopher Lee penis, I did find something a little suspicious. There is a book on listed on Amazon, How to Enlarge the Size of Penis Naturally Size Does Matter, by Chris Lee. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I think that might reveal a little something about Christopher Lee. That's crazy that uh, someone writes a whole book about like getting your dick longer. <laughs> Like he, that better have worked for that guy. There are there are fourteen reviews and it has two and a half stars, so I don't think it works. <laughs> I think to literally make your dick bigger, you have to like stretch it out medieval style. I think that's literally the only way. I haven't looked into this. But, yeah. Uh, what's that called? Sound? No, that's not sound. Jelking. Jelking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounding. I haven't seen in any movies. What's sounding? That's when you shove stuff up your. Uh, they should have put some sounding in Visitor Q round it all out you know there is yeah what's you don't get dick in q they That's they, true. they blur it out they blur yeah. out the dick which is kind of funny yeah issues of censorship in japanese cinema oh, we'll yeah. get to it um but yeah, another one I saw recently was Acts of Vengeance, which also goes under the much more exploitative title Rape Squad. Uh, that's what's on like the poster on Letterboxd. Uh, and it's about like a group of women who have been attacked by the same rapist. And it starts off very serious and like gives a very honestly very strong critique of the inefficiency of police in sex crimes and also their like inherent misogyny kind of and it feels like very self-aware and very serious for a movie that seems so exploitative but then when they form the titular rape squad to go get revenge it becomes a more blatant exploitation movie and they even take uh fighting lessons from a a a kung fu fighting woman uh and it gets like i think the that balancing act is really something incredible and also something that could be considered very wrong i guess of like turning the movie kind of on a dime uh into something much more on the face exploitative uh but i think it gets its point across quite well Last but not least, I'll go with Abel Ferrara's first uh, non-pornographic film, but it is a nasty one, The Driller Killer. Uh, This one's got like the no wave scene. You ever listen to that shit? Uh, (laughs) You you know that first Swans album? Isn't it called Filth? Uh, 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 Yeah. Yeah, the one where he's just saying flex your muscles. So there's a band that plays like a bad version of that album. Uh, And this guy, Abel Ferrara, playing the, the titular Driller Killer, just going insane, listening to this awful but like kind of good but really like irritating no wave heavy band practicing and just like eating pizza in the grossest way possible many people have mentioned the pizza eating scene but you you can't not mention it because it's quite literally one of the most disgusting uh displays of cuisine in the cinema (laughs) an italian-american king abel ferrara perhaps 
presenting a commentary. <laughs> no, uh, uh, uh. Uh, he's just fucking demolishing a pizza and trying to make it as nasty as possible. And then he ends up killing people with power tools, including innocent homeless people. Uh, Mostly and, innocent. Yeah. Homeless. yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's, it's really fucking terrifying yeah. and like a terrible, terrible, terrible movie in that like, uh, not in the way of judging by quality. I think it's a very good movie, mm-hmm. and I like it quite a bit. But it's a uh, it's it's a nasty one. Yeah, I I just rewatched this with a friend actually like two nights ago, and uh, you know it is it has its nasty moments, but that is like a hangout film through and through. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I was surprised like how much just, like Abel Ferrara just chilling with girls pretty much the whole time, <laughs> and then um yeah then he you know you know what I think I'm gonna start killing people. Um, yeah, and it's also all so much time you spend with that punk band. You're like, fuck this band. Yeah, dude, they, you think they're cool at first because of like where the scene is at the time. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is a cool detail. And then you're going crazy just like Abel the more you have to listen True. to that bullshit. We're watching an era end before our eyes. You guys ready for the uh, the main topic of discussion? Uh, Q-pilled. Let's I mean, get into dude, it. we went long on the list. I was going to say, but, uh, you know, I got five minutes on Q then. Fuck okay, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, 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 uh. Time to Q. phone this in. Nike Takashi, 2001. Have you ever had sex with your own dad? Have you ever been hit on the head? Have you ever hit your mom? These questions uh, are the introduction to the ultimate effed up family in uh, Visitor Q. Uh, first, you get the 10-minute, very transactional, incestual sex scene. Uh, and then you get a one-minute scene right after that of the titular visitor uh, just knocking the dad downside the head with a rock. <laughs> and uh, boy, if that doesn't teach you how to watch this film, I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh... It's kind of hard not to bring up, and I think everyone who's reviewed this movie has brought this up, but it is like aping a similar story structure to, you know, Pasolini's Tiarima. Uh, a visitor comes up, but instead of kind of like, I guess maybe towards the end, there's some uh, sexual discovery there, but it's like instead of like them kind of figuring things out or just like feeling like their life has changed, it's more of just like him encouraging their depravities and kind of just, you know, letting them be an outlet for them to. Uh, behave badly further and like he'll be there to film it he'll be there to make sure you go viral well and not to be too obvious but yeah. i think also it's just invoking him as audience yeah. and as director True. you know uh he takes over the filmmaking role from the father uh as we introduce this family uh you know you get the the son who is bullied uh relentlessly and then takes it out by systematically physically abusing his mother uh and then the father who goes around filming depravity and sexually abuses women and is also the victim of sexual abuse uh the mother who has to do heroin just to get by yeah uh, and uh the unknown visitor visitor q he observes interacts and yeah he kind of works as a halfway point between uh voyeur and like audience identification and kind of a filmmaking identification and also an extension of the family he kind of fits right in (laughs) (laughs) i mean with the first scene i mean much like friend of the pod ben mankowitz you just fucking turn the sound off turn off the subtitles (laughs) that's just regular porn yeah i was gonna say you can get off to that yeah turn off the subs yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was ben mankowitz's review of this (laughs) turn the sound off (laughs) I well, I, all right. Let, just talking about expectations going into this movie, because like I, this is a movie. I think I, I said on the main episode, I had 
thought about, you know, for a while and had like ideas in my head what it was going to be. And for like a, na- you know, a quote unquote nasty movie, this is less of like a, a blood spurting geyser and more of like, you know, sludge coming back up from the sewer. This does have like more of like a, like a slower and like languid pace to where I, you know, I was expecting it to kind of be more manic and something like that, where it's really just like willfully obtuse, just an obtuse as fuck movie. Yeah. It's like a situational gross out movie yeah. more than a visceral one. Yeah. Even I'm, though there are some moments that are like, okay, right now this is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like if Tiarima was funny. Like, it's yeah. like the, it's not nasty. I mean, when I think of nasty, I feel like the spirit of it as well is like a little bit more brutal. But this is like, like playful a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Truthful. It, but it, I think there's also a nastiness. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. This. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> it's a it's a terrifyingly disgusting movie. Yeah. Uh, if you're not aware, you know, it, 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 what I just described wasn't enough. You know, it, every character goes further and further into that depravity as the film goes on. And the themes of like voyeurism and audience participation in this extreme like sadism and this extreme sadism as ironic dark comedy and like the explosion of the nuclear family or whatever like i could kind of take or leave all of that like it's yeah. it's interesting that it's all there on the surface the use of the mini dv here and like the editing and the staging to fully execute this like kind of more i wouldn't even say slow but a more careful gross out aesthetic and like this carefully structured kind of like levels of immorality that are surpassed throughout this movie it's structured in a really interesting way with like each of these characters journey through their self-discovery you know Mm -hmm. i mean in terms of the aesthetic for me that's one thing that like i definitely early on like you can cop on to really well like with the um the shots where it's like playing with like whose camera perspective it is. And when you see the intercut with the stills of the daughter, like uh, taking pictures of the dad uh, in there, it really does a lot of really inventive stuff with like changing Mm -hmm. who is in control of the camera. Yeah. I think that participation uh, and the use of like mini DV as kind of a home movie format, as well as a cinematic one, uh, lends itself to this film a lot. Obviously, that opening scene, like you said, yeah, because he's going to film the sex act and then they agree not to, but the camera's rolling the whole time anyway. And that's kind of the, the butt of the joke mm-hmm. there, alongside the joke being that his daughter is humiliating him for coming too fast, much mm-hmm. like yeah. the monster from the funhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how that like haunts him throughout the film and he brings it up when he uh, yeah. kills his uh, co worker quite randomly yeah and i i I remember what i was killing her because she's not good at her job true (laughs) get to work um (laughs) i kind of remember what i was gonna say i mean stuff about like yeah there is kind of like an obvious deconstruction of like the traditional family here to where you know you have the mom literally being pushed through the paper walls (laughs) and stuff like that and it is like it does have like streaks of like kind of like i hate to say this because it sounds reductive but like eric andre type humor where Mm -hmm. it's just like uh, it's assaulting your senses and stuff like that. But then, yeah, I think it's kind of like it's carefulness and it's just meticulousness and it's attention to like uh, character development gives you kind of these uh, moments in between kind of like the comedy slash visual gross mm-hmm. out that really 
uh, packs that way. And I know this is like, and I think it's intended as a comedy first. And like, I think it's just more interesting than anything. Like there's, yeah. there's a couple funny scenes of course, but like, I don't, it doesn't quite, the humor doesn't quite uh, register anything more than interesting to me, but I don't think that's a bad thing really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you said about the mom crashing through the wall uh, it, it's like this house is just destructed throughout the course of this film mm-hmm. and is deteriorating in a really fun way where it's like, yeah, there are obviously thematic things to bring out of there, but also just the nastiness there. Like, so uh, there's the wall that she goes through and there's a lot of holes in the wall that uh, Mike uses as like framing devices. Yeah. There's a really like beautiful shot where it's two different walls that you're seeing through uh, to get to a visitor queue, you know, framed in like kind of long shot from within this house uh, in that beautiful tight four, three aspect ratio that he's able to cram so much into these square frames. Like there's the shot where uh, the visitor and the mom are not even hooking up because she references it later as when you held me, you know, because he's just holding her and then she discovers that she can lactate. And that's like her journey of self-discovery in this film yeah. is, be, is becoming a lactation monster. <laughs> and I think this was the, this grossed me out. It was than, hilarious. Yeah, it is, it so is hilarious. Oh, I mean, it's, I think one of the great uh, moments where it nails the humor is when the son comes back from school and he doesn't quite see the whole, like he, he could see what's going on, but we should see the image of milk, like yeah. uh, squirtlets coming out of the kitchen, like a couple <laughs> hit his face and he's just like, like, fuck, I can't whip my mom anymore. She's being lactated. <laughs> it's so funny because the, the scene is like set up as a sex scene, their first embrace. Uh, and there's this really beautiful frame where it's like showing off the depth of the room kind of where uh, in kind of dividing it by three, you have the picture of the daughter who is out being a prostitute and had run away. And then in the middle, you have the visitor and then you have the mother on the right side of the frame deeper in the frame, you know, and then uh, it sets up that picture of her so well because it returns to that same position while he's lactating her. And you just get those shots of the milk just hitting against that (laughs) picture of her. And it's so like on the nose and dumb, but it made me laugh in a way that I was genuinely uncomfortable about. Yeah. Uh, other than like the the second lactation set piece, if you will, uh, was just straight up funny. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like just cutting away from the most gruesome stuff in the film. Then you go back to the house and it's just like the visitor is under an umbrella <laughs> and the mom is just wearing a, a trash bag with holes over <laughs> holes over her breasts and it's just like they're just flooding the kitchen with breast milk and it's hilarious i don't know i think with i mean one thing that's miraculous about that type of aesthetic that like it it has that art house like slow sensibility with this like vulgar ridiculous humor and it doesn't come across as like dumb random bullshit because I think it's hard to like sort of compress those two together effectively but I was like taken aback at how many times that like I don't know I was just like laughing out loud but then it gives you some more hefty meat to chew on no yeah I was gonna say I like how it kind of uh, waits to double down towards Mm -hmm. the finality and then you know you have a the milk kitchen and the necrophilia scene going on concurrently. And I think that's a, that's a good match for each other. Yeah. I was mistaken in the timeline there. The, the milk kitchen scene. Yeah. Is not, it's after, uh, he is already 
uh, you know, raped and killed his coworker while with the visitor trying to shoot a video of his son. And then when he's in the backyard uh, having sex with her corpse, uh, that is when uh, the, the lactation scene in the kitchen goes down. But like the while he's having sex with her corpse, he's like talking through it in a very matter of fact way that kind of recalled like. Uh, death by hanging the oshima yeah. film that is investigation into a rape case that's leading to a you know a death penalty uh and the way that they talk through the act during the reenactment in that film it kind of reminded me of kind of calling back to that i don't know yeah no i get what you i get what you're talking about now the classic uh you know reoccurring thing happens on the podcast funny sex scenes not a fan of them how do you how are you feeling about the funniness of the it just grossed me out. Yeah, it is. It is just kind of gross. It grossed me out, but it was effective in that way. Yeah, like, I, I don't think every beat in this movie is supposed to be funny. It's True. supposed to kind of oscillate between the dark humor and just the gross. You know, definitely. I, it was. I thought it was kind of funny when he was like, "And she's wet. I, you know, she's dead. I made her." <laughs> and like, then the uh, wet uh, ends up just being shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, after that, he gets stuck in her, <laughs> and uh, because rigor mortis sets in, and then that's how he reunites with his wife is his wife trying to detach uh him from the rotting corpse of his co-worker and uh a bath of vinegar wasn't enough uh which sounds very painful uh so yeah. she gives him heroin and it just pops right out <laughs> so pardon my ignorance was like that's that mean like it was just a boner killer the heroin and he just shrunk down and it came out I, I I think it was more like to just it relaxing. was more of like an advertisement uh, for a heroin. new product. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 heroin is used pretty responsibly yeah. in this movie. Uh, I will say though that after that they they team up to go kill the bullies of the sun. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the only time the violence feels gleeful. That's and true. It, yeah, it earns it, I guess. Like, uh, I mean, I at least thought it was hilarious. Yeah, the, the way they kill the bullies with the the screwdriver and the knife. Just, <laughs> what a tag team that husband and wife. You know. True, yeah. I guess there's other scenes that are funny, and I guess it's not exactly like willfully violent. Just more like, more of like the like a the funniness of like sadism, or just like watching people suffer or be humiliated. Well, I mean, I think I mean it's not really the violence itself, but it is really funny to me when the dad is like really caught up in filming like his son getting beaten (laughs) up, just like excited to have the camera like being when he goes to cue and he's like, oh, I don't know who this guy is, but he's in my house. Like that's really funny. And so the father, yeah, he just like goes around filming the most fucked up shit he can and like submitting it to the news, I guess. Like, is he a nightcrawler? I mean, he's I think it was he was a reporter, but yeah. then just got obsessed with like filming like fucked up shit to yeah, put on the news. You see him at his darkest moment is uh, watching footage of one of his escapades where a group of young men sodomize him. And uh, it's it's rough. It's uh, yeah. it's rough viewing, I yeah. gotta say. Uh, but, you know, that informs his character. Yeah. <laughs> I also I found that kind of funny, to be honest. Yeah, that I'm, was funny. I'm, I'm so fucked up that I'd find <laughs> shit like that funny. Next week on the Patreon, Suspiria. Goodbye, Patreon. <laughs>